what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence itself. Hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mind Podcast, episode number 17. I'm your host Mike and thank you so much for tuning into this episode. On today's show, we have an awesome guest. Joining us is Dr. Amanda Vollmer, who is a specialist in natural medicines and healing. Now, Amanda was very generous with her time and she was such a wealth of knowledge. So we covered an awful lot of ground in today's episode in terms of different methods to heal and detoxify the body. So in part one, we're going to be discussing the case for natural medicines. And we have a fantastic discussion on what terrain theory is and how it differs to aleopathic medicine. And then we get into some healing methods that Amanda is using as an expert in the field on both herself and her clients. Then in part two, we talk about the dangers ahead of us, including things such as EMF radiation, 5G and heavy metals poisoning. And we also talk about how we can detoxify our bodies from some of these awfully toxic influences. Now in part two, one of the things that I specifically ask Amanda about is how we can detoxify ourselves from injections. And you know the ones I'm talking about. Sadly, some people did get duped into taking that thing. Not myself, but I know some people that support my content have. And of course, they are now rightly concerned about it. So I ask Amanda specifically about that vaccine and previous vaccines and what we can do if we are worried about them and to detoxify our bodies from them. We also talk a lot about electroculture, dealing with chemtrails and much, much more. So this one is absolutely packed with wisdom and I came away from it with a ton of new knowledge and strategies that I'm now going to be implementing in my own life. So I'm sure you're going to take a lot from it as well. Members, as always, you can access the full episode over on parallelmic.com. For those who are considering becoming a member, it would be great to have you over there. It supports me and my work and other members are finding a lot of value in the extended versions of these conversations, so I'm sure you will too. Similarly, in the future, I plan on adding more content exclusively for members, such as question and answer shows and member exclusive episodes. So if you become a member, you'll be able to access all of that in the future. In closing, I wish you all good health and happiness. I hope you're all well. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, I will see you all in the next one. Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast. We are joined here today with holistic medicine practitioner and real health activist, Amanda Volmer. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I've been a fan of your work for many years and it's an honor to speak to you. So for those that are not aware of your work, Amanda, could you please just give the listeners a bit of a rundown on the kind of stuff that you're doing? Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on your podcast. And uh, I'm a woman of of many uh, varieties and talents. So I, you know, I make a lot of natural medicine, 
Like just today, for example, I went and harvested uh, or wildcrafted some St. John's wort that's flowering in June, which is kind of surprising for this time of year, <laughs> but uh, I'm making a, an extract into an oil and I put that in one of the products that we make. So I've uh, designed a lot of various medicines and skincare uh, routine that's all natural. And I started doing that probably 20 years ago, but really about 10 to 12 years ago, I started to make these things because I had my baby, I had a daughter and I really was researching you know, what was going on to her body. And I wanted something really, really green, really natural. So I decided I would make it myself. And so I opened a store and the rest is kind of history. I mean, my, my background is agricultural biotechnology, which is kind of a strange one because I was going to be a veterinarian. Um, and that was the prerequisites I needed to go into veterinary college. So I have this biotech degree and I'm totally an advocate against genetically modified organisms. <laughs> and here I have, you know, this, uh, this science background like that. Um, and then I went into naturopathic college after I did a lot of traveling and training. And, uh, after, after school, I, I started to practice and, uh, help people with their health. And I really wanted to find the truth about medicine and science and I wasn't afraid to go into some really deep areas and also to unlearn a lot of what we had been taught in school, um, especially when it comes to things like germ theory um, and even the way biology is taught. Uh, I had a lot of questions and I, I just went all the way and, and tried to uh, understand it myself and then teach it to other people. You know, there's so many questions that I'd like to ask you about that, but I'll try and keep it to things that I think the listeners will be interested in as well, because I just ask you all day about your background, um, because it's really interesting that you came from this biotech background. It's almost like your time would have come just about now, but you're actually going in the complete opposite direction. So that's an interesting path that you took. But what would you say your understanding is, Amanda, of how sickness emerges in the body? I know in recent years, a lot of people have been talking about this debate on terrain theory versus germ theory. And this idea that most infectious diseases actually were eradicated maybe at the end of the Victorian era and what we've got now is something else. So how do you see it, Amanda? And what's your take on the debate between terrain and germ? Well, the germ theory is um, false because that's not how the body works. And we know this and they knew this back when. But the issue is we have a lot of myth that and a lot of superstition that gets passed around when you're around someone we we've not really explored properly what the interactions look like from all levels so maybe we've assumed from our materialism that it must be a material aspect that's exchanged and that's what makes you sick uh but we've already looked at all of those various so-called diseases and plagues and things and dismantled them um and there's a different explanation for why those things happened at that time. And generally what we see is uh, either a starvation event uh, or a poisoning event or, or those two coupled together. And you see this pattern over and over again. So it becomes logical to then plumb the depths of the science and say, well, what does the science say? You know, since we're so modern and so sciencey and important these days, uh, what does it say? But when you when you go to that material, it's also quite disappointing uh, because the methodologies are not using 
the living body to study what's happening. It's all being removed and altered by various chemicals and admixtures and uh, other DNA material and even other bacteria and things are put into these experiments. Um, they don't follow things like Koch's postulates or the Rivers criteria to prove that it's transmissible the way that they claim. So that's really the, the, the crux of it. Like if the science backs up the ideology, then we have something. But if it doesn't, we have a problem and we need to go back to the drawing board and look back to the basis of science, the normal science that we've just assumed is true and run forward with and built upon. Um, and we need to express the fact that uh, we don't know, uh, but we also haven't looked at things like uh, pheromones. Uh, we haven't looked at uh, electromagnetic field interactions, um, sympathetic resonance interactions. I think the most contagious thing in the world is an idea. <laughs> um, and I feel that the idea of viruses is uh, just a pseudoscientific nonsense as we've never isolated a virus, even though they will use those terms or, or claim that they have. Uh, when you look very closely at the methodology, these are cytopathic effects that are being uh, done in petri dishes, all the while ignoring something we do know in science, uh, which is called pleomorphism, which means that microorganisms can change shape depending on the terrain in which they are placed in. And we have to address this elephant in the room if we're going to make these claims that germs are causing disease. And what really um, the, the naturalists uh, and the hygienists knew was that everything in nature has laws. And when tissue is dead or dying and breaking down in nature, we see microorganisms and scavengers coming to the area to remove those tissues and to bring them back into smaller particulates to be recycled. And that's no different in our own bodies. So when we see things or when we use the word infection, what we can glean is that there must be a toxin present or some sort of damaged tissue present and the body is just doing its job. And that means there's there's somatids, which have been identified inside of us that change shape to do jobs. And when the job is done, they will revert back into dormancy. And we have to look at that material if we're going to have any kind of debate. Unfortunately, the modern scientific world doesn't really want to go there because I think their house of cards would fall down. But here we are in a paradigm shift. So it's, a, it's, it's just a matter of time. Well, wow, that's a fantastic answer, Amanda. Thank you for that. That, um, Well, it was more than I expected because I didn't understand half of it, but I will certainly go away and research more of it because it's not my topic of expertise. And I don't think it is for many people. And I think that's one of the reasons why we get caught out so much, particularly with medicine. But it was also the same many years ago with nutrition. As an athlete, I used to really struggle with finding good studies. And when I went to them, they all contradicted each other. And the more and more I went into it, the more and more it woke me to the fact that it's all bought and paid for. The science was bought and paid for. They would say, for example, to cut out fats entirely, yet then on the same page say, well, sugar and high fructose gels are really good for performance. And I just thought this can't be the case. And I started to experiment with my own diet. And all of a sudden, I found out that the stuff they were telling me was actually poisoning me. It wasn't helping me as an athlete. It was doing the opposite. Uh, but I think the medic, I think once you get into medicine, it's actually even more tricky than that because diet, we can often experiment with ourselves, whereas medicine, it's a little bit more iffy. We don't know what to do. 
uh, particularly when we're experimenting with natural medicines. So how would you, let's imagine if somebody was coming to get some treatment from you, Amanda, and you was going to give them, let's say, an assessment, how would that differ from a allopathic uh, doctor? And how would the range of options for treatment be different to what they might offer? Well, the assessments are generally done uh, in a way where like naturopaths are trained to look and touch and do visual tests to glean information, to try to have a general understanding of what the patient is going through by listening to them speak and ask them very pointed questions because the patient will tell you what's wrong with them if you let them talk long enough. (laughs) And unfortunately in the conventional system, the model is very rushed and it's also very egoic, meaning that the doctor is the one with the knowledge and the patient is the ignorant one. So listening to them means nothing much to the doctor generally, other than asking them, you know, do they have pain or do they, are they sleeping or basic things? Um, And then the approaches with the allopathic bottle is that the symptoms are put into a a category and a label is given and uh, they cannot really move forward without that label. They need a diagnosis in order to proceed because the drug is matched to the diagnosis and the drug's goal is to suppress the symptoms in that category and that is considered a cure in that system. In the holistic model, you're looking at the individual, meaning uh, one individual will say MS, multiple sclerosis, is a different presentation than another individual with multiple sclerosis. So their treatment protocol will be different from one to the other, or they might be similar in some ways, but there might be nuances where they have to adjust as they're doing their healing. And the information is quite a lot that we gather Um, from the patient to try to get a better sense of root cause. So the goal in holistic medicine is the individual's root cause process is of highest value and merit and helps design the protocol moving forward, which is non-suppressive, which is allowing the body to repair itself as we understand inherently uh, it does, and that we aren't... um, the Lord and lady of your body. And we, we uh, are making suggestions uh, based on natural principles, which are really about expression. So the body wants to release and it wants to rebalance. And what we aim to do with holistic medicine is assist the process that it's already going through. And also to connect the organ systems as one whole, rather than going off to specialists, uh, specialists, seeing like a liver specialist or uh, a kidney specialist, these kinds of things, because that to us is is quite irrelevant when we're taking the whole picture into consideration. So it's very different modeling, and you can see the evidence of the outcomes because a holistic uh, practitioner will get resolved nine times out of ten, and also the client will feel empowered when they leave. They do have work to do. They do have self-reflection to do. They may have some severe changes they have to make in their lifestyle, their diet, and all of these aspects. So they have to go away and work for it. (laughs) Whereas in the conventional model allopathic system, it's kind of a lazy way to get about where you just pop a pill, like do what the doctor says, and there's no advancement of the character or the lifestyle in that individual. And stagnation usually occurs 
Um, and unfortunately, that's where you, you lose a lot of quality of life from that. And we really want people to thrive and to um, have, have a joyful life um, and, and have fulfilled experiences. And that's why, you know, I support that path of um, root cause individualized med medicine as much as possible. Yeah, and I do too, Amanda, for sure. And in my own life, that's the way it's always been. I think it's 20 plus years now since I, I took any form of medication. And I had the same experience that a lot of people have, which is I went to the doctor when I was, I think I was in my mid to late teens. And I went for some support with a skin condition. And the uh, first and foremost, I was treated really poorly by them. They treat me with a bit of disdain, uh, which is not what you want when you're going with something that you're already upset and embarrassed about. But then what they gave me actually gave me side effects and that made things far, far worse. And that kind of sent me on a spiral where what I originally had turned into something much worse that went on for years and years. And then psychologically, you're upset, you're a teenager, you're going out and you don't want this rash on your face. So it made things really poor for me. And eventually I tried to figure it out myself. And it was only once I tried this natural skincare product, it was actually from a cosmetic shop, but they only did natural products and it got rid of it within about a month and this was like after four years of stress and struggle and I was like oh my god that's all it took was just this natural product because I'd had steroids before that's what they'd given me and that had inflamed it even worse uh, and this natural product just fixed it and then after that I kind of said to myself well I'm not going to take these things anymore and I started to explore the natural health a little bit more I never went into it professionally or anything like this but I just lived my life like that. And fortunately, it's been okay along with diet and exercise. Uh, but in today's world, Amanda, how likely is it that people are going to be able to go to that natural model when we've got so many uh, factors that are pushing down us in terms of our diet, in terms of our lack of exercise, all the toxins? Is it possible for us to make that switch immediately? Or is there going to have to be a transition period where we actually get ourselves right first so we've got a good base to actually use these natural therapies? Or do you think that they can immediately have the same effects that somebody might get from traditional medicine? Do you mean that um, if people are trying to get well, like just to stop what they're taking and then switch into a holistic model? Is that yeah, I guess what, what, what I'm thinking is, do we have the right foundations to start applying natural medicine when we're already so full of toxins and the environments are so poisonous? Is there some kind of transition that we have to make first in ourselves before we use the natural medicines for them to work? Well, the, the model is usually where you start gently <laughs> um, and you start where where you can, right? So I usually that's one of the reasons why there's a huge supplement industry is because people are so used to pill popping that, and I use this so much with my clients, I've had to, because I can't get them right there right away. Meaning I can't just say, okay, throw all this food in the garbage, <laughs> go shopping here, buy this, uh, you know, throw those lotions in the garbage, stop with, you know, spraying Febreze, clean your house differently, um, stop taking shot vaccines and other poisons into your body, you know, get off all the meds, all this stuff. So yeah, there definitely is a transition period for someone who's really deep in, but they have to want the changes. And they, that's why the supplements can really help sort of bridge the gap between the lifestyles and everything they have to look at. Um, the main thing is to get off the poisons as much as possible, just stop putting the poisons in your body. And then when your body begins to release, 
instead of panicking, running to the doctor, um, popping a pill for a headache or something where you're suppressing, suppressing is the habit. You need to break the habit and say, no, I'm going to listen to my body and I'm going to give it the nutrition that it needs so that it can complete what it's trying to do here for me because it's working for my benefit. And that is a mindset change for sure. And there's so many parents and people that I handhold through um, scary things that they're unfamiliar with that I had to go through actually as a mother, you know, when your child has a high um, and you see them labored breathing and, and flushed and sleeping and um, you don't know if you're doing the right thing, right? A lot of doubt creeps in and you want someone to tell you it's okay. Uh, I had to do that kind of pretty much alone. And I realized after going through some of those um, long nights that this is perfectly natural and normal. And what I have to do is trust and also think about what is happening and how to support my child to have full completion. Because if I panic and run and give an antibiotic and suppress something, for example, I'm going to maybe feel better in my mind in that moment, uh, or maybe the symptoms go away for that time being. But uh, the problem is later on, uh, there'll be more problems. So you're just really trading one for another. And that's really not what we want. Ideally, we want to get out of trouble. And the way to do that is to allow the body to complete and support it along the way. So it doesn't mean you just abandon and let let the child suffer, but you can use things, for example, homeopathic remedies like ferrum foss. That's what I would give my child when she had fevers, when she was going through her growth spurts, which is normal and natural to have skin expressions and high fever um, when toxins or materials have to move away from the body in order for a growth spurt to occur. And you see this all the time in children where they go through sort of a cold or flu or whatever, we're labeling this, which is just a detox response. And then the next morning, they've grown like a couple of inches. You're like, what, what happened here, right? Well, this is because the process of the body is, uh, is triggered. And uh, perhaps they've been eating hot dogs and pizza and sugar and pop and they're, they're vaccinated. They had maybe even a traumatic birth. Uh, they've been given antibiotics, they've been given cortisone, you know, creams and other steroids. So the body has to get rid of that before it can have rapid growth. And that's what we see with like measles, and chicken pox, and all these kinds of expressions, which are not caused by any virus. They are the body trying to express wastes and make corrections for proper growth and, into adulthood. So yeah, there is definitely lots of transition and lots of learning that has to happen. <laughs> It's really hard as well, because we've had this severing of human from nature. So people don't actually understand that nature is the source of all of our medicine. It is the source of our health. There shouldn't be anything that is not capable of being found in nature in order to treat the body, because otherwise we wouldn't have survived. God wouldn't have made this planet as he did with all of these plants and different things out there that we can forage and take. So it's kind of this I guess from the 1900s onwards, we've had this model that's purely materialistic. Everything comes from a pill or a packet. 
but that's not the way it should be. And I think healing our relationship with nature, I guess, yeah, that needs to come first. People need to realize the power of nature and our um, link to nature that we are inextricably linked. And I think if somebody doesn't have that, then it could seem quite alien to them to be told, oh, actually, you know, we're going to make our own medicine out of plants and or it's actually going to be your diet that fixes this. And they're going to say, well, you know, I like eating this food. I don't want to change that. And they're not going to be able to make that shift. Yeah, it. it you know, nature is, um, is what we are. We, but somehow we've separated ourselves away and we've lost a lot of connection and a lot of knowledge because of it. And the further we divorce ourselves from nature itself, like say, uh, you take a tree that has a compound in it that helps with, uh, prevent blood clotting as an example. Right. And we have that with, uh, aspirin. But what's happened is now it's been taken away further and further and further from the original source. It's been altered. It's been um, uh, changed to a point where it's more potent or it doesn't have the buffering that it would have normally. Because usually with an extract, you have all kinds of constituents coming in and they all serve a role uh, in how they present to the body and mitigate side effects. Uh, because if the body rejects it, then it has mechan mechanisms and methods to remove it. And if it's really refined or too far refined, that is very targeted, a targeted therapeutic, but it is very forceful to the body. It's like pointing a gun at the body saying, do this or else, you know, rather than offering it to the body and saying, hey, would this help? <laughs> what do you think about that? Do you like it? If not, don't worry about it. The, so it's a very different approach to what you're um, asking the body to do. And I, I still think there are some extracts that can be very potent, but they're not refined down or altered uh, past like a few divisions. And there, there is a fine line there in alchemy where uh, you don't want to take it too far into the synthetic because now you're really overriding the bodily mechanisms and you'll see side effects from that yeah i remember my nana when i was younger she told me that aspirin's good because i think she said it comes from the uh, is it the oak tree where they get the uh active ingredient in aspirin have i got that wrong uh it's either the chinchona tree there's the yew tree there's a few there's a few different uh, i can't remember the main one now yeah, I'm well. not sure, but yeah. she, she told me it came from a tree and uh, she wasn't, I'm guessing at some point it was probably marketed to her early on in the uh, maybe like say 1950s or, or 60s or something like that, that would have come from a tree. So there was this transitional period that she still remembers where they were marketing drugs as semi-natural because people were very skeptical to begin with of things that came in a pill form because they were using natural remedies when my uh, grandmother was a child and then there was this transition period and now today it seems almost alien to people to even consider taking a plan or or some kind of homeopathy uh, as a medicine uh, and i think that again it's this it's materialism isn't it that we live in today it's pure materialism uh, and people are just so far removed from living in a natural way but you do sometimes hear doctors talk about the placebo effect and I really wanted to ask you about this, Amanda, because when they say the placebo effect, they often use it as a slur, as though the person has tricked themselves into getting better. And I guess for people like us, we'd say, well, actually, no, there's been some healing that has taken place. 
almost and they're saying it almost as if the mind is not involved in healing it's just split there's the body we treat it and it heals but i don't believe that i believe that the mind has a role in healing and i've realized that in my own life that if i'm not um, thinking about things in the in the right way if i'm clinging on to some kind of illness i can actually prolong it and i want to get your take on that is there such a thing as the placebo effect or are they mislabeling something that is actually a key part of the healing process well, there's a placebo effect and a nocebo effect, um, and those have both been dis- demonstrated as being true because we are powerful in our thoughts. And you know, Candice Pert in uh, Molecules of Emotion described the biochemistry quite specifically. When you have a specific thought, the cascade of chemicals that comes that affects the physiology. Uh, we know when we're when we have a fright, you can tell that your physiology changes, right? Your heart rate goes up or your blood pressure goes up. Um, So we know that uh, the mind and the body are one. However, medicine can still affect you whether you believe it or not. Um, And we know this from studies, especially when we do things for babies or animals that might not be very consciously aware of what they're being given or in double blind placebo control studies. But what's interesting about those control studies is oftentimes they will have at least one or two participants that will be fully placebo or noceboed, and they have to be removed from the study. So you'll you'll give, say the uh, individual is given the drug, um, but they, and they're told they're given the drug, but they actually weren't, they were given a placebo, but then they react and they have like reactions say oh this drug's so bad for me i'm having all these reactions in my body but really they were given nothing so this happens all the time and they have to omit those those cases so it depends on the person's mind and their susceptibilities and their sensitivities as to how much it impacts them um and how much it affects outcomes of studies and that sort of thing but yeah it's absolutely real uh, but you, it's more like an add-on. So say you have uh, a substance like DMSO, dimethyl sulfoxide in the body and they had pain and then the pain relieves, they might in their mind say, oh, this isn't going to work or whatever, but the pain still relieves. And then they're surprised. We hear this all the time. Like, oh, how did that happen? I didn't think that was going to work. So their nocebo effect didn't really work that, that well <laughs> to stop what the, the medicine was doing. And then you have people who, um, you know, they might believe that their pain is uh, is just unrelenting and nothing can help it. And, and it's so strongly ingrained in their belief system that they will sabotage themselves uh, when they're trying to find solutions and things. So, yeah, all of those aspects are there. And that's why we, we have to we might as well use it to our advantage. Like if you're healing yourself or something, use positive thought and imagine yourself well, like add to it. Um, Then maybe you have to use a little bit less medicine or you don't need as much medicine for the same effect. So may as well. And then the same thing goes with the nocebo effect. Don't sabotage yourself when you're trying to heal yourself by saying, oh, you know, I'm never going to get well. And this is just one of those gimmicky things. Try not to do that because- might as well use that your mind to your advantage. <laughs> wow, that's great information. Uh, and as somebody who uh, I had a running career end through chronic injury, and I actually had that exact experience where I couldn't get over this injury and I was seeing all different kinds of therapists. It went on for years and I tried everything. I started off with the traditional stuff, then I went to acupuncture, then 
uh, by the end of it, I was just, I would have taken any therapy. If somebody was offering a therapy, I was like, right, I'm going to try it. And uh, in the end, I realized that one of my biggest barriers was that about two, three years in, all I said to myself was, oh, I'm injured. I can't run anymore. Oh, yeah, I've got a damaged leg. And I was realizing I've actually ingrained all of this now. It's become part of who I am. And I read a really interesting book, which for the life of me, I can't find again. And I can't remember the name of it, but it was talking about chronic pain and how people often with chronic pain or chronic injuries will hold on to it and it becomes a psychological illness as much as a physical one. And that book taught me to reframe everything, reframe how I saw it, which I should have known anyways from my work. I, I work in mental health all my life, so I should have known about that, but I didn't. I just saw it as two separate things. Again, I'd, I'd fallen into that trap of splitting the body and the mind. Uh, and as soon as I started to see things differently and stop labeling myself as injured, I started to call it I was, sometimes I get this exp, this feeling in my leg. That's all I used to say. That's as far as I'd let my mind go. Rather than say it was an injury, rather than say it was a pain, I just say, oh, it's a feeling. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it goes. And then all of a sudden, over the next six months, it started to dissipate. And like I did start running again. I can run now. The issue does come back sometimes, but it certainly isn't like it used to be. So yeah, I've experienced in my own life, Amanda, that the mind is very important in healing. And I just wonder if that, also goes uh into the therapist or the healer too like does your energetic state and your health i guess in general impact the person you're working with because if you go see a doctor today you're probably going to get somebody who doesn't look healthy they certainly don't look like they should be treating somebody to do with health uh, they're usually in a poor state themselves sometimes they smoke drink overweight so does that actually impact that that patient and doctor relationship if the person treating you is not in good shape and is not maybe even energetically or spiritually uh, healthy well i mean we all age and we all um have our struggles every every individual and um you don't always get away with it <laughs> and uh i know that there are doctors that are tired and burnt out and i was one of those um, and if that individual is in that state, they might let themselves go or use drugs or other things, you know, in their lifestyle. It doesn't mean necessarily that they don't carry the information or the assistance of, you know, within them, like they still could carry the knowledge, but also be doing self-harm and not applying the knowledge, like doctor heal thyself kind of aspect. And, so I'm I'm forgiving on some levels with it, but on the other hand, um, it can be telling <laughs> if they're really trying to model empowerment and they're trying to model lifestyle changes and they're trying to um, walk the walk and, and talk the talk, then I, ideally, you know, you would want someone who's ex expressing uh, health and you know, but you don't know, it doesn't always mean they're going to be young looking or, you know, they could be 60, 70, 80 and have wrinkles. It's okay. Like in this modern day with filters, everyone thinks that you have to look like, you know, 12 years old forever or something. And it's, it's kind of warped. Um, but I, how it impacts the patient will is very individual. It just depends on, on them and how they, what they're after and, um, and how they, they see themselves um, in that communication. So it would be very individual, I would, I would think. Is there a spiritual element to the healing process as well, Amanda? Is this something that you found? And do you ever draw on the esoteric arts rather than just the um, natural world? I guess what I'm 
imagining when I say uh, spiritual is this kind of thing that we'd read about in the Bible where, you know, Christ could heal people or there is spiritual healers that draw in energies just outside of where we are, maybe from God or, or some other kind of deity. Do you ever incorporate that into your own practice or do you know people that incorporate that? What's your thoughts on it? All of my first lessons um, on health were for from the energetic arts. Uh, even when we eat food or we take a supplement or we <clears throat> take an herb by by tea, what's happening in the body is we're assimilating that and it's coming down to a refinement and eventually it's coming down to a frequency. So ultimately, this is all frequency healing. And if your mind is strong enough, then you could heal yourself with just the right thought, um, which would the action would follow that thought. Or if you were in the right frequency set, then you would heal and you wouldn't need to even eat anything. And we see this with breatharians that, you know, use sun-charged water and they are sunbathing. So they're gaining energy through basically a type of photosynthesis, uh, which we, we do have, <laughs> just like plants, we actually do have that in our blood. Um, and they're, they don't eat food. They don't need food and barely even water. So that means they're getting their source of energy to recharge their batteries from the sun. And that tells us a lot about what we, how we used to be and where we could be again. Do we need this heavy, dense food to get these little molecules that eventually give us a burst of energy and recharge our batteries? Or can we do it with vibrational medicine, which I feel that's the, that's the path forward. That's the most elegant way we can go. And that means um, things like uh, tuning forks, for example, or I have like a terahertz wand be behind me, which just the most some of the most fantastic healing I've, I've experienced in my life um, where it structures our waters and really when it comes down to it it's the elements of our body and when they are working optimally they will run properly like a battery and then we will have the energy that we need to function and have respiration and uh, removal of waste and input to, to the bodily systems um, did we even need to eat maybe it was just something we had that God gave us so we could have pleasure <laughs> to eat, but we didn't need to eat to live and we've forgotten. And maybe, the, maybe we needed to forget. Maybe there's some reason that we're in this muddy phase of forgetfulness. Right. Um, but I, I started, you know, using laying on of hands, like my father would, if he knew anyone who was ill or had a loved one who was ill, his hands automatically would get hot. He didn't even, study Reiki or laying on of hands. He just knew instinctively that's what you do. You pray over the person, you put your hands on them and you imagine God's light working through you and you give it to the other person just as love. And then they get feel better. And so I saw him do this and I soon realized that that was happening to me. I would get the hot, warm hands around people who were ill. And I was fascinated by that. So I, I all of my earlier healing arts were I guess you could say the esoteric, but really it's actually science. <laughs> um, I read a book by Dr. Richard Gerber called Vibrational Medicine, and this is all scientifically explored. Um, and again, just because we can't see it, just because it's not in the, what we call material realm, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Another really great book was uh, Barbara Brennan's Hands of Light. I studied that book very intimately, and she was clairvoyant, and she could see energy fields. She could see when someone was angry. And what would happen to the to the interactions between two people uh, with different emotions? And they could make other people sick even 
or hurt other people just with the with the energy. So we're very powerful. And I think we have to come into a spiritual maturity in order for us to sort of glean into that world and have that, you know, self-responsibility with those energies. Um, and I think a lot of the the hidden aspects are there in a sense for protection that people, you know, who are not able to use it responsibly will not have access to it. Um, but yes, all, all like using scent to heal, you know, using aromatherapy to heal, using sound to heal, using movement to heal, um, you know, going into your body with your mind and doing the inner work to heal. Uh, ultimately, you don't need anything from the external to heal your body, to heal yourself. But we we use what we need for the time, for our minds and for ourselves to um, to seek and to get the lesson, whatever it might be. And then we we grow from it. So that's sort of the path that I see. And it makes total sense as well. You know, we don't question this so much when it's when we're talking about the mind, when we're talking about healing trauma. It's common in my profession that you'd say, you know, you have to have positive self-regard for the person. You have to be completely non-judgmental because people will feel that energetically. If you're not, they'll pick up on it and the healing won't work. You know, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to want to listen to you if they don't feel like you truly care and it has to be genuine. So, you know, you can't be somebody that's kind of feigning that you care. No, you have to really care. Uh, and people who don't care generally uh, don't get very good results in those professions. They're considered the, you know, the therapist that nobody wants to see people drop out. And it's kind of normalized there that, yeah, the, the energy of the practitioner matters and that can be healing and it can transmit almost like vibrational energy. But then when we talk about physical healing, it's like almost the complete opposite. It's like, no, 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 we only look at the material. That's absurd. There's no way that a hand could heal or, you know, you could transmit some um, energy through you that you've got from somewhere else, even that's been channeled down from God. Uh, and then you're putting that into a person that's always considered voodoo. So I, I always find it strange that we've almost therapies like this are now starting to medicalize people much more than maybe person centered counseling. So we are moving away from it and it's getting pretty dark. I think you're in Canada, isn't it, Amanda? It's getting pretty dark over there when it comes to medically assisted suicide and things like this. So it's starting to get really awful in the uh, caring professions. Hmm. Yeah, I think here in Canada, there's a split or I think in the world there's a split. <laughs> where the the mind virus of the Marxist infiltration has taken a bite out of many people and they're going down into uh, nihilism and they are, um, because of equality, the idea of equality, which is a false idea and a, an unstable idea, uh, an unrealistic idea, that we all have to be the same somehow in order to uh, be liked or be accepted, um, which means what it means is the basis has to be the dumbest. So everyone has to go down to the basic line of dumb. You can't have special people. You can't have different people because it might offend the dumb ones. And so that's what's happening with like the left cult, uh, which is Marxism, which is communism, totalitarianism, all those things are wrapped into one. And this this disease has come a few times, uh, but here it is again. But those individuals will walk that path to their own demise. And those of us who will not um, adhere to such false beliefs, we're exploring the other side of things. And we're actually growing and moving and, and lifting ourselves up and lifting others up. 
So it's really just a, a split. Um, they'll keep trying to uh, shove everybody down into boxes and labels and remove freedoms. Uh, but it's really because of our ignorance that has gotten to this point. And now we have to lift ourselves out and empower ourselves and just not um, bother with it really. So it's like two different worlds kind of opening up because I'm not part of that world at all. Um, and I'm not in big cities. I'm not around uh, these um, infiltrated universities and schools and um, institutions that are you know, demoralizing themselves. So it, we're building new systems out of this rubbish. And um, it's quite exciting. I, I'm quite excited for the future, actually, even though I'm in Canada and it's really grim for to see how many people are suffering. Um, there are a lot of people who are awake and are waking up quite quickly as well. Um, so there's there's just both at the same time, and we'll see we'll see how it wins out in the end, I guess. <laughs> I think that's a really hopeful message, and it's the same message that I've got too for people. I say the same, Amanda. I think there was a big fork in the road in 2020, and as this decade goes on, you're going to either be going increasingly that way or the other way. The kind of middle ground is gone now. You know, you're either going to go by default along with their agenda and you're going to wind up in whatever hell hole they take us to. Or you're going to go a completely different direction. And that can be anything you want it to be. And we're all kind of finding each other now. It took us a few years to get ourselves set. You know, we all had our little tribes all across the world. But it's amazing how quick people are linking up now. There's these big um, conferences that are taking place. I know you guest speak quite often. And I just can't believe the momentum now that is behind. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. People, Some people call it a freedom movement. I, I don't really class myself as part of anything. I just, I, I'd rather say just an awakening. Like it's a big awakening that's happening and it's 2000 years due. You know, we've been waiting so long for this. And I think it's just going to be like a domino effect. And yeah, for the people that go the other route, it's going to be sad. It's going to be tragic. And that could be our family and friends, but uh, we'll come to acceptance on that because it's all we can do. Keep forging our way forward for our next generation. For your, you've got a child, uh, we're having children. It's you know that's all we can do now is focus on the next generation. So I, I too am excited, Amanda. I think it's going to be tough. I think we're going to have to have really thick skin for it. But I think on the other side of it, there's so much hope there as well because it needs to happen. You know, the the direction we're going on is going to its logical conclusion now, which, like you said, it's a very dark place. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I know that we have to stop kicking at the external projection. We don't. We don't keep fighting that. That's that's like your mind is projecting your reality, and now you're just punching at the air. <laughs> um, that's not going to get us anywhere. It's an inside job now. If 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 any teacher is not, um, uh, you know, describing the way to go inward, if they're not, you know, trying to help you help yourself then they're not really a teacher because the time now is for inner work and healing the traumas because that's what's really going on here is trauma after trauma uh, accumulating, generation after generation of trauma and people not doing the inner work to actually heal it and resolve it. And so it's presenting very as demented people, people who um, don't know who they are, uh, people who are switching identities because they're running away from pain, they're running away from aspects of themselves. Because when you're in trauma, um, 
you split your personality. So uh, it's really about coming home to the self. And that's really the healing we need at this time. Um, I teach things like trauma release exercises. People can go to yummy.doctor and type in um, tension and trauma release exercises and find that and do that. And uh, I'm any type of method that's going to go in and sense what's happening, like um, sensory um, or somatic experiencing, for example, that's another one that people can do to go inward and to feel what's happening in the body and to allow, accept and allow the pain. And just like when, you know, I was learning hypnobirthing, uh, you actually accept the pain. You, you go through the pain. You don't run from the pain. You don't escape. You're owning it. And that's the only way you can empower yourself to change it. It's like, you know, something on the ground, you, you can't just yell at it for it to go away. You actually have to pick it up to make it go away. It's the same thing inside of our bodies. And I know that it can be daunting and frightening, but what's required here is courage. And, um, and if people will just take that leap of faith and dive in courageously, they would find the resolve they're looking for. Instead, there's a, you know, a drug culture an escapist culture. Um, people are just watching illusions on flickering screens all day. They're not connecting with other people. They're not connecting with themselves. They're not connecting with the natural world. And so that is making people more and more mentally demented. And they expect other people to tiptoe around their traumas and to change their behavior to make them feel better for how they feel. And that's why we're getting into a lot of warped and weird experiences right now <laughs> where people are demanding that other people change because they're broken. And uh, that's that's the problem. They're just not doing the work. They're being lazy, slothful. Um, and also the systems want them there because they're now in infancy forever and will always need the parent to come in and save them because they're the forever victim. And uh, they need like a, a handout or some sort of housing. So this is what the 15-minute city structure is coming in to give them. And the, uh, the an allowance from the parents will come. So they won't even have to work. They'll get a little visor, go into their metaverse, into their escapism and uh, to try to keep running from the pain rather than accepting the pain. So that's the big difference between uh, the split, you know, in, in people. People like us, we acknowledge the hurt and it's okay to feel that way. And then we transform it and we try to teach others to do that as well. So hopefully that catches on <laughs> that. Hopefully that's the mind virus that goes next. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what people need to hear more than anything right now is that you know you have to confront yourself you have to confront all of the bad things that have happened the good things everything you have to face those things and assimilate them with who you are and it really plays to the future that they're looking for to keep all these young people and adults too but particularly the young people in this place of victimhood and this inflexibility of thought where they're not able to engage in debate or engage in discussion or even accept that somebody might think differently because if that is where you are then you can't live in 
the real world. You have to go to an artificial world where you can completely control that environment, which is essentially what our online worlds are now. We can choose how we set up our online world because then nobody can threaten you. Everyone can have a consensus of opinion. You can live in your little bubble online. But the moment you go out into the real world, I can say, no, I, I'm not going to call you by that pronoun or no, I'm not going to wave that flag or I'm not going to accept whatever it is you say because I'm my own person and I can respectfully disagree. But of course, there is no respectful disagreement in this new ideology. It's either you're with us or you're the enemy and you need to be destroyed and crushed. And that, that's what needs to change. And I, I don't think those people are going to change. I think some people are going to be broken. There's always the possibility to transform yourself, but I, I've never seen it so bad in my life. In fact, it reminds me a lot of just when I read history books of like the 1930s. I live in Poland, so I know a lot of the history of communism here. And a lot of the things that are taking place right now all echo what I learned about uh, the experience of communism here from family. So about the parades where everyone had to show up, everyone had to wave the flag. You, there was no dissent. If you did dissent, then you was cast out as an enemy. Uh, it's the same thing that's happening. This this nomenclatura where everyone has to be a part of the party, but now it's you have to have the right symbols and flags. And if you don't, you lose your job. For example, in my career with these opinions, there's no job anymore. You know, you're not going to be able to work. If I went back to the UK, there's no way I'd get reemployed because I just simply would refuse to accept the gender ideology. Uh, so we're already kind of at that point. It's just it hasn't all come together and crystallized in one homogenous totalitarian regime. But I, I think we're probably about five to 10 years away from getting there. And it, it looks like it's coming fast. I don't know what you think about that, Amanda, but I, I do think it's going to happen. And therefore, personally, I'm setting up for a parallel system. You know, I'm, I know I'm going to have to live outside of whatever that is. Yeah, I'm already doing that for the most part and have been moving away from that since probably around 2012 when I realized that it was headed, you know, in this direction because people weren't paying attention to the enemy or what the enemy was trying to do that we were being manipulated and they weren't paying attention. So I knew that because of that ignorance, um it was you know, and people not speaking out and people not acting um we were in trouble and it has to play out. However, it's going to play out. It is accelerated, which is at least good news. Um, the other aspect is a lot of these individuals are very sick and they're also probably vaccinated. So their lifespans are short. Um, if they're vaccinated, they're not going to live past another, you know, 10 years probably. Um, and the behavior and the lifestyle is also unstable. So, you know, not that I'm happy about um, those outcomes, but that's what they signed up for, right? And those of us who are, are trying to thrive are, you know, doing regeneration. We are rebuilding, um, like finances, for example, we're moving into other whole other arenas, um, healthcare, whole other spaces. Um, most of us grow our own food. Even indoor gardening, I've been doing that, which I encourage because they're making weather warfare. They've been doing that for a long time, but I don't know why people are so blind to the chemtrails in the sky, but um, they have like here in Canada, they're, they're burning all different aspects of our forests. Um, they use aluminum as an accelerant and they're trying to smoke us out, especially like, so they'll have the fires up North and then they'll try to push the winds downward so that we are all locked indoors again. So they're just doing the same COVID scam, but with the climate change change scam. 
It's just one scam after another to make people scared, stay indoors, uh, stay away from people, um, don't wake up, don't ask questions. Asking questions is dangerous. Like it's all the same um, uh, solipsism, Marxism kind of game and to gain control. But but what's interesting is it's still our fault. <laughs> it's it's not, it's them. We're not victims because we were put into this taxation system and we allowed federal reserve systems. We allowed to, um, the, the debt was uh, not payable as of 1930s. So the gold standard was removed, which means we're paying debts with the debt. We don't have actual valued money in circulation. So every time we pay for something, we're actually contributing to the debt. And as we contribute to the debt, uh, we are contributing to the bigger debt, which means that it has to be sold to somebody. So it's being sold to China. It's being sold to other countries. Like we're being sold out from under us because we're um, imbeciles. We're, we're doing it wrong. The system actually is there for us to get it right but we're, we're not doing that. So, you know, a lot of the things I've been um, studying and teaching is actually law too, uh, not just medicine, but I wanted to know all kinds of remedy, remedy for health and remedy for law. And the lawful remedy is there and we just have to grasp it and use it. But because of the dumbing down that's happening, so many in this group, in this camp, they wouldn't be able to think their way out of it. So I, I think they're, they're in trouble um, and that's going to be, that's their choice or that's what they've been put into. But for those of us who have intelligence, we're able to learn this method and apply this method and get ourselves out of debt, um, by not paying <laughs> with debt notes and actually, uh, applying for proper remedy through equity law. Um, so I'm in deep study of that yet again, like I've gone through all these different layers of different kinds of law, but now my focus is this type of law. And I've already put into practice a lot of these methods of set off and balancing the ledger and being a responsible adult um, with my with with what I'm here to accomplish. Meaning, God gave us land, air, and water. We don't have to pay to live on this. I know everyone pays to live here, but actually, you don't have to. But we think we have to. That's the problem. And they think we are foolish because we keep doing this. And so they're going to treat us like idiots because we keep acting like idiots. And the more we get out of that and realize that we can properly approach these systems that even are in place right now, um, we can get ourselves out of a lot of trouble. But more and more people have to do it for it to be a little bit better effective um, because we're still teaching like administration that have gone rogue, you know, and judges have gone rogue and all the systems have gone rogue because they can, because they get away with it. So we're taking them to task now by coming into our spiritual adulthood and saying, I'm no longer contributing to this slavery system by paying my taxes, by paying into it, by accepting contracts from government entities and by moving everything into the private realm from the public and moving from being a general public into special presentation and that someone in special who's who is special knows these things and can apply these things so i know i know that might be over someone's head or people's heads but it's important i mention it because this is the way out and through and there's all sorts of avenues to get ourselves out of victimhood and into uh, the private realm rather than 
you know, making all these mistakes. I think you put it perfectly, Amanda, because what you speak to when you talk about our medicine and our health, and then you talk about the legal system, and then you brought in the money element too, is you're speaking to a universal truth. And that is that all of these things come from nature. We have natural law. That is where we get our laws from. We observe nature to see what is natural and what is right. And then we have the natural world for our medicines and for our food. And then our money comes from the natural world too, because God put a abundance of gold, but it's very hard to get. It's scarce enough. It's rare enough that it can withhold value, but it's the perfect material. It doesn't tarnish. It doesn't rust. It can last thousands of years. And it's pretty evenly distributed across the world. Lo and behold, it's pretty much on every continent. So that suggests that that was put there to ferment cohesion and not for us to go around like pirates robbing each other. Each country could get enough gold out of the ground to have these energy embodiments that we could then store our wealth and trade with each other. So the, all three of those things come from nature. It's a universal truth. And what man has done, what a small group of a small cabal has done is they've monopolized all of this. They've taken control of the land. They've taken control of the gold and the resources that are within the land. And then they've built these fake systems, the fake law, the maritime law. Then they have the um, fake foods that were being given instead of uh, the medicines that would heal us. And then the fake money and the, the fake money system, that's the real kicker because that's the debt slavery system. And once you're in that, uh, you never get out of it. Most people, they just can't fathom it. You're a specialist in health. And when I was trying to think about how I could contribute, I focused on that aspect, the money aspect, because I thought just like you, it's so warped that people can't understand that these pieces of paper have no intrinsic value and that they're working their asses off for something that is being inflated away, that is being debased constantly, and they just can't quite grasp it. So uh, that's the area that I wanted to focus on. So I really like how you put those three things together, Amanda, because that is exactly what it is. If we just really simplify it, it all goes back to nature. Yeah, and also that those are fiat. So what those notes are, are is a promise to pay. So yeah. when you, it's not paid yet. <laughs> it's just promises, promises, promises. And that's why we have dug ourselves so deep into this slavery system because we keep promising to pay and we are not responsible to actually pay it. And with the equity law system and understanding then we can set off the ledger appropriately with correct remedy and use our instruments properly and uh, and understand that we are rich already because of our birthright. We were born abundant. It's already there for us. We just have to claim it and we have to express that claim appropriately and uh, also make rescission for our sins. Our sins is where we've missed the mark, where we um, we have uh, made all these errors. So I, for example, recently I rescissioned my taxes. I, I thought I had to file taxes to get a mortgage, to get a house, right? I was, I was sort of tunneled into that. I was, I was fed into that system. Well, I had no other choice, so I did it. And then I realized my error and I asked for forgiveness and I rescissioned it. So it's as if it didn't happen when you do that. And so we can all take action and all of these things where they're um, offers. So like you get a parking ticket, that's an offer to pay. That's not a demand. That's not if you don't or else. Same thing with taxes, same things with even mortgages. You know, they're all contract agreements and we have say in those exchanges, especially when we're being robbed, especially when we're being lied to. So like to get a mortgage, we have to sign on the dotted line. Well, what happens is the bank now, 
um, takes our signature and accesses our trust and steals from us and then makes us pay it back with an interest on it. That's really crazy. Um, instead, we could say, oh, here's my trust. Give me the presentment, which is the mortgage document. And when I sign it and date it, now it's paid. The end. Off you go. You know? Um, so this is the sort of thing that is really exciting because it is there for us, whether you have a birth certificate bond or just, you know, if you didn't apply for any of those things, it still holds because you're you're in a body and you're alive. And that's all you need to know that you have a trust in your name because we're here to live and to enjoy life. And we're these are all things that we had just a virtue of being here. Um, rather than this victimhood mentality and this lack mentality, <clears throat> excuse me, and this poverty consciousness that I see and this grasping. Do you imagine if everyone realized this and money was never an issue anymore, what would change? That everything would change. The way we behave, the way we, how many people fight and die over such things, um, yeah. you know, and feel so stressed because of these things and suffer. And that's not necessary. And this is one of the big secrets. This is what they keep away from us um, is this knowledge. And they, and the banks especially. And what's crazy about the banks is everything they're doing is actually completely illegal. And if people knew that, you could sue these banks and have them just, they'd be done for what they've done to us, right? So as we learn and as we remember and as we study, and more and more this spreads, This, this it's over for them. It's already over for them. So as much as it looks bleak and as much as it's terrible, as much as those individuals need to walk that path, that whatever they're trying to do with this new world order thing, it's over. It can't stay anymore. It's done. They're done. Because there's too many of us now that know this information. And once we apply it properly, there's nothing that more they can do because they have to have the compliance. That's why they trick us into compliance. If we don't agree, then they have nothing. If we don't give our energy to them anymore. They don't get fed. They will just naturally die away as we shine the light into the shadow. I think that's a beautiful place to leave it for part one, Amanda. I really enjoyed that um, part one discussion. There's so much that I could add to that, but I think we'll leave it for part two. So thank you so much for joining us for part one. Uh, members carry on listening for part two, of course. But for people that are just listening to part one, Amanda, can you please let everyone know where they can find you and your content and your work? Yummy.doctor. Doctor is the domain name. That's membership courses, classes, uh, videos, etc. Um, you can go to yum, Y-U-M, naturals.store. And we have to split stores and do all kinds of fancy things. So we have also dmso.store and uh, healingwithdmso.com for my book. And then you can find me on Substack under my name, Amanda Vollmer, and on Telegram as well under the same name. Well, that's it for part one, everyone. That was such an awesome conversation with Amanda, but really it's only just getting started. There were so many questions that I still had for Amanda. And in part two, we turn our attentions to electromagnetic frequency 
radiation, detoxifying our body from heavy metals, chemtrails, electroculture, and so much more. So please come and join us over on parallelmind.com for the second part of this conversation. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Anyways, if you want to support the show in other ways, you can leave me a good comment or a review on your favorite podcasting app. As always, I hope you're all well. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you've got some new wisdom from it like I did. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you all in the next one. What you are basically Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence. Not really peace in our time, peace in all time.